Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This week on Barca Talk, Iniesta announces he will leave Barca at the end of the season. The FCB Camp Scholarship Fund is growing, and we have some new information for you about it. Barca B are on their way to relegation, and the manager has been replaced, while Femini beat Espanyol 3-1 to keep the pressure on Atletico. And a win in La Coruña for the first team has made us champions with four games to spare. So let's talk. Hey everybody, welcome to Barca Talk. Brian Henderson here, coming to you from Buffalo, New York, and joining me from Madrid, Spain, is Gabriel Quiroga. Brian, Brian, my Barca brother from another mother, how are we doing? Oh, doing okay. It's a, it's a gloomy Sunday morning here in, in Buffalo as we start to record the show, and I have a long, long day ahead of me. I've got to sing in a concert, I have various audio things to do, a lot going on, and I just helped a friend of mine move yesterday, and it I was doing that pretty much all day. So my body is not responding well. I I'm just I I can't work like that like I used to. Yeah, I I understand. Moving is the worst, you know. Oh yeah. Uh, even though they pay you in pizza and beer, it's I feel like it's still not worth it, you know. Sometimes, but I have a recommendation for you to get through your day. Okay. Um, just, just do what I do and just uh, run on Coca Cola and croissants. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you're doing today. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Did you run out of groceries. <laughs> Uh, no, actually, I did went to the grocery store just to get Coca-Cola croissants. <laughs> <laughs> Breakfast of champions, as they say. Correct. Well, we have a few things to talk about today. Of course, we're going to talk about the Deportivo match. Big news there. But the first thing that we do want to talk about, of course, is the the news that, that hit on, on Friday when uh, Andres Iniesta came into the press room and announced officially that he will be leaving FC Barcelona at the end of this season, and I just want to focus on the the press conference itself and um, who was there, who wasn't there, what was said, what wasn't said. I happened to be sitting in my office at uh, at school grading homework when I got a notification that from the uh, you know FC Barcelona YouTube channel that they were live, and I clicked over to it, and there there was Iniesta lined up. You know, he was sitting in the chair. And as he start, as he warmed up to start talking, I could, I mean, I knew what was what was coming because you could see it in his face. You could see that it was hard for him to even get going, right? To start talking, you could see the the emotion in his in his eyes, and I immediately empathized with him. And you know, we like I said, we knew this was coming, pretty much. But it's kind of like there's always that little shadow of denial or something. You're saying, you know, please don't let it be. Yeah, and I, you know, my. 
I got the notification as well, but then also my I had two of my friends start uh, WhatsApping me with emojis of like crying, <laughs> yeah, because they were upset about it. But um, yeah, we I mean the thing is we knew this was happening. I just wish that maybe it happened after Copa del Rey, just kind of get it over with like that, just kind of one two punch. But the interesting thing in the press conference, you know, he announced that this is going to be the last season with uh, FC Barcelona, but that he didn't tell us where he's going next. But we know it's not going to be Europe because he says he doesn't want to have any chance of playing against FC Barcelona in any type of competition. So obviously, you know, as we've uh, rumored and heard that most likely he'll be headed to China. Yeah. And I remember one one journalist asked him, you know, pretty much point blank, what's next for you? Where are you going from here? And uh, and yeah, he he's he you know, he danced around it and he he didn't say he was going to China, though. That's what all the reports are kind of pointing to. But he did confirm that it, it would not be in Europe. So that's at least a little bit of a hint that it probably that the China reports are probably true. Yeah. And then the, the other thing you mentioned was the notable absence, right, of Messi and Suarez. I mean, I read that, you know, the, he announced this three hours before and obviously Messi and Suarez had prior engagements. But, you know, maybe this is one of the things that for me kind of lacks with Messi. It's like he could have just canceled. And I feel like since he is a captain uh, to, to really show this the solidarity of like going to this press conference because I remember I think also in the Puyol press conference he wasn't there as well and so I don't know I just feel like with these mega icons of the team that he should kind of cancel those things and come I mean I know uh, with money and engagements like that there's planning that's involved but I mean this is a pretty important uh, moment for the team and also I mean they're really close friends obviously I mean that's what I think yeah, well, uh, that's also what I assume. And I see, I do, I didn't hear anything about prior engagements that Messi or Suarez might have had um, prop for whatever they had to be doing. And they most likely could have canceled. Uh, I was sort of assuming that Messi, I don't know about Suarez, but at least for Messi, I, I feel like the thing about Messi, he really strikes me as a very sensitive guy. And um, I imagine that he has a very close relationship with Iniesta. And I, I just sort of felt like, well, maybe it would it was just too emotional for him and he didn't want to be in the press room for that. I mean, you, you notice that Messi like rarely talks to the press at all. And yeah. he, he doesn't really the, the only time he really likes to be on camera is is if he's playing. Yeah. Yeah. But you know who was there was Andres Gomez. So Well that that's important. important. <laughs> <laughs> you know no, who else I mean, was there who I, I noticed was Sergi Samper. Yeah, he was there. And, I didn't even uh, realize we got him back from Las Palmas from the loan that we'd put him out on um in, in January, but uh, I looked into it and it turns out he's just been injured. So he's been back yeah. with the club since January, but he's injured and he's not gonna be coming back until June. But uh that's one of those things where he's a he's a Masia guy. He came up through the ranks and so I'm curious to see what what comes of Sergi Samper. I don't even know uh, what his uh, situation was at Las Palmas, if he was getting playing time or what. Yeah, but in starting. any case. Yeah, he was starting. Yeah, he was starting. Okay. But in any case, I mean, I- Iniesta, you know, the, I, I, it was such a roller coaster of emotions because, again, you know, I, as soon as he, you know, takes his drink of water and he starts addressing the press, you know what the announcement is going to be. And, uh, and it was really hard for him and, very hard, uh, and he kept he kept saying, you know, twenty two years, twenty two years have been here, and um, and it's I mean it's 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 a it's a big moment for for us yeah. and for the club, and you know we're we're seeing this generation of players, you know, 
age out and move on to other things. And of course, we also we hope to see them come back. I've I've talked a lot about how I do hope that Chubby comes back to manage. And I think there was even a, a question from another reporter for Iniesta about coming back one day and you know being involved in the club again. And I and his response was that it's it's too soon now to talk about that. But I I get the sense that he would that he would probably happily come back at some point. Yeah, and and you know I was thinking about this the other thing while you were while you were speaking was you know with the recent retirements of Xavi, Puyol, and now um, Iniesta, we're we're such a unique club in this in that we've had the luck of bringing these players up through La Masia. Um, being such icons of the team. I mean, you think about other mega teams, Bayern, Real Madrid, they never really had this type of connection with their youth team and their senior teams, you know? For example, like if Real Madrid, let's say, I don't know, Ronaldo or uh, Marcelo retires, do they get the same type of love that Iniesta Puyol do? You know, through the fans and the kind of, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. uh, you know, because like you said, Iniesta, 22 years, Puyo about the same, you know? And it's just like you've had these players through the, the youth system. You've seen them grow up and not only become on the senior team, but be superstars, you know? And so it's very unique like that. And I think that's, it's really, I mean, it's really kind of just the end. I mean, the last one really now is going to be, you know, Busquets and Messi, essentially, from this, this crop and PK as well. So Iniesta leaving... It's just it really hits home just because it's kind of the end of the era of the Xavi Iniesta kind of tag team midfield tiki taka four three three Cruyff system that we all love. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, during that press conference, I was also I was thinking about this same issue uh, that you just brought up, and I was reminded of uh, when when Totti finally finally called it at uh, at Roma, and the the just the outpouring because Totti was at Roma for so long. And he was such a such an icon and a and a talisman for that club that when he left it was it was super emotional and all the fans were were really emotional about it. And I was thinking, you know, we have moments like these every couple of years now. When Puyol left, when Xavi left, now with Iniesta leaving, and then soon it's gonna happen again, like you just said, with PK, Busquets, Messi. That whole thing. Like we we have moments like that all the time because we have these these close connections with these players and also it's moments like these that remind you that while we do still have a strong Masia pipeline it's not as strong as it used to be or like you've the way you've analyzed it or interpreted it as it's just a once in a lifetime crop that we had it, it was just kind of like the stars aligned with all of those players coming through Masia at the same time but in the last year or two I've I've noticed a lot of people talking about how La Masia is not feeding the first team the way it used to. And we've talked a lot about it this season. And uh, I, like, I don't currently see the kinds of, I mean, I can't project these things, right? We can't see the future. Who knows? Maybe, maybe it'll, maybe in five years, we'll have a, a new crop who are right now just coming up through Juvenil A, right? And they're maybe just about to enter Barca B and, and then fun in five years we'll have another crop like that we don't know but um yeah at the moment we're we're not seeing that same kind of of sort of like class of 2014 or whatever you know, taking over that banner from them yeah and you know we'll, as we're going to talk about on Thursday on our patreon video um, we're going to dissect a little bit more about the Barca B 
situation, what we'd like to see a little bit more of, what could happen, um, especially with the new coach that they hired. But it really just comes down to the board, as we've been talking about all year. What is their ideal system? Do they really want the La Masia pipeline? And we'll see this summer. I mean, this this summer is going to tell us a little bit more of what they're really thinking um, if we get any high-priced transfers like Griezmann or if we focus more on trying to bring up maybe like Alenia and Arnais. Yeah, and uh, so today we're just focusing on the press conference and the announcement and the sort of fallout from that. But uh, we still have a few more games with Iniesta. So, well, maybe a couple more uh, after Deportivo, yeah. but just enjoy them and, uh, yeah. you know, see. And, and, and if nothing else, we have <laughs> we have 22 years of Iniesta with FCB. We have all the trophies he won. And uh, yeah, yeah the, the incredible contribution he's made. But yeah, right now we're just mainly focusing on the news breaking. And uh, we are in the process of putting together a tribute to Don Andres that we'll have on after the on the episode after the last match of the season. And we'll give him uh, our own Barca talk send off. Yeah. Are we going to send him on like a Viking burial or what? Well, that, that's the other. Th- <laughs> you know what? That's the funny thing, actually, that you mentioned it is. At the press conference, uh, I was tearing up. You know, I mean, Iniesta was tearing up, so I was tearing up, uh, yeah. and you know, feeling the emotions and all that. And th- at the end of it, I just I had to keep reminding myself, dude, he's he's younger than me. He's in great health. <laughs> he's not dying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's he's just moving on to a next stage yeah, in yeah. his career, correct, like correct. athletes do. Like he's not yeah, yeah. dying. <laughs> Just but, you know, cool it, it you off. Know, you know, it's funny because uh, have you ever seen the movie Fever Pitch? Yeah. With the the original one about the, the guy in England. Oh, and no. His love of, oh, you, you should definitely check it out. I and saw the baseball version. No, don't ever erase that from your from your memory. But, uh, <laughs> the first one, the original one is about a teacher who um, is an Arsenal fan back in the 80s. It's a really good movie. And um, basically, when he was a kid, he started this quote unquote love affair with Arsenal. You know, sports is one of those things that it's always there. It's something that we love longer than most relationships that we'll ever have, you know, type of thing. Um, you know, for me growing up, my my Bay Area sports teams, I've been fans since I was a little kid. And so, you know, you grow up with these players, like, for example, with Iniesta. So it's not I, – I understand why it's emotional. It's not because you go through these up and downs of all the games. You're, you're in it. Um, and it's such a long time, right? You just think about just when you started with Barcelona in what, 2010? Yeah. So that's already eight years, you know? I mean, what what have you followed so closely in eight years, you know? I mean, it's serious. So, Not much. Yeah, yeah, exactly, you know? <laughs> and and those are the things. So you should de- first of all, you should definitely check out that movie. It's really good. Uh, second thing is, you know, um, you know, this happens in sports all the time. He's not dying. But we, we will give him a, the proper tribute with our Don uh, Andres farewell episode so yes uh so stay tuned for that but let's talk about our community and what's going on there we have the classico coming next week that's big of course and here's the important announcement i will be in montreal with michael miller and the rest of the montreal pena at mclean's pub to watch the game with them and i'll also be doing some recording there as well so you can hear what that um atmosphere was like on the next episode and that's an important uh i I was very happy that michael invited me out i didn't want to volunteer myself to just show up in montreal but he was gracious enough to invite us 
after we talked last week. I'm very excited about that. So uh, stay tuned for uh, our my whatever audio collage I can come up with from from that experience. But we will have a, you know a normal episode as usual next week. Now, also, uh, we have more news about the FCB Camp Scholarship Fund, our fundraising campaign to send a young footballer to FCB Camp in Houston this summer. And if you haven't already donated, go to barsatalk.net, and there's a link to our GoFundMe campaign right on the front page of the website. But here's the news. First off, the fund has reached $200, which I'm very excited about. And secondly... I finally have permission to tell you a little bit about our recruits. Their names are Oscar and Christopher. And like we mentioned last week, they're siblings. And I'm still waiting on more details about them. And next week, you'll hear them introduce themselves on the episode. But these are the two kids that Victor of the Houston Kool-Aid has recruited for us. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, Victor has done an amazing job. uh, And so have you uh, putting this thing together. Um, And finally, we got the name. So, you know. That's going to be awesome that they're going to be able to introduce themselves on the next episode and tell hopefully a little bit about themselves and introduce um, maybe their passion for soccer and see, um, you know, hopefully that'll um, entice some more donations as well. I sure hope so. But, uh, you know, we got one donation this week from a fan named Michael, and he included this note with it. He said, my son has been attending the FCB Escola here in Montreal since it opened last year, and his experience has been so positive that I wanted to pay it forward. And so, you know, here we're already seeing some encouragement from a parent who has seen such a positive outcome from this experience for his son. And so he wanted to contribute to this fund to to get that donation coming in and create this. And like for me, this is a pilot project, just doing it in Houston. Ideally, uh, next year, I hope we can stretch it out over a longer period of time, starting with the beginning of the season and see if we can partner up with some other other penas around the country where these camps are also held and see if we can send even more kids. I would love to continue to grow this project so that we can keep sending young footballers to these FCB camps all over the country, all over North America. So get those donations coming in and give the gift of an unparalleled experience to one of these boys. Uh, The camp runs for a week in June, and spots are filling up quick, so get those donations in now. Our goal of $500 to send one of them is still $300 away, and we have a new unofficial goal of 1000 so that we can send both of them to the camp. So don't wait. Donate any amount. We've had donations as small as $5 and as large as 60 and all of them help. So go to barsatalk.net and find the link to the GoFundMe campaign right there on the front page. And finally, if you have a question or topic you want to hear us get into, uh, drop us a line at barsatalk.net or leave a message on the phone line, 716-795-2853. You know, actually, just this morning, we got one um, on the YouTube channel uh, from a listener who suggested that we uh, get into talking about, you know, what happens after Iniesta? What is What does the future look like? Do we get more players in? Uh, who takes over that position? All that sort of stuff. And... Um, I want to mention that we got that comment. That was a good one, and I think we should save that for a later episode, but I do want to recognize that uh, that was a good suggestion, and we will pick up on that later. All right, before we dive into the Deportivo match, we want to tell you that Barca B, as we mentioned earlier, lost again over the weekend, this time to Almeria, further cementing the likelihood that they'll be relegated to Segunda B and... and the manager has been sacked. That's the big news. Yeah, we're not we're not looking too good, Brian. Uh, <laughs> we are we are sucking, you know. Um, just the last run, you know. 
it's just kind of frustrating because, you know, we were riding high um, back in February, back in February, all the way um, back in February, <laughs> all the way back in February. We had a nice run of games and it just seems we've just lost our rudder and we're just kind of going in circles. Um, you know, our defense hasn't been that good this these past games. Um, we're not getting well, we're getting some good possession and passing and and opportunities, but we're not converting. And the other teams are just hammering us on goals. So it looks like we're going to be relegated. Yeah, it does. And so we will have a full discussion about the game, but also the the new manager and the future of Barca B on our Thursday extra on Patreon, uh, where we'll also do some La Liga roundup. If, and if you want to check that out, become a Barca Talk supporter for $3 a month on Patreon, and you'll have access to all of our extra stuff. Just go to barstatalk.net slash support to do that. But in the win column, FCB Femini beat Espanol 3-1 to on Saturday. And it was it was looked like from the highlights, which is, again, that's all I have. <laughs> looked from the highlights like uh, actually a pretty, pretty good match. Espanol opened the scoring in the fourth minute. They sent the ball down the left wing. And we actually had two players on the ball. Mapi Leon and Lika Martins was dropping back. But Mappi didn't realize that she had Elena Hulve on of Espanol coming in hot for that ball. And she took the ball right out from under Mappi's feet, really, and turned and came inside a little bit, had a good shot. But then a couple minutes later, Busalia took a free kick and sent an excellent floating ball into the box. And Marta Torrejon headed it into goal to equalize. So we were down and then back to an even match before the first 10 minutes. You know how when we always watch the highlights, we always... Uh, notice when the minutes start on the highlights. You know? Yeah. So now when I watch these highlights, I always notice it. Like, where is it starting the the minute counter? You know, and it, obviously this one started in the third minute. So it was it was just kind of tells you the up and down already from the beginning of the match. On that first goal, it was just bad communication. You know, and um, who was it? The Leona, I think, tried to do a step over. She missed it, and uh, Elena Julia was able to get the ball and just poach it through and so it was a nice finish but that free kick i don't know if you saw the ball the ball went out of the screen oh yeah i don't know if you saw, I don't know if you saw it she hit it so high so high <laughs> she hit it so high it was out of the screen and it came up and then she was able to um head it over a, a nice little looping header and uh, so they were able to tie the match within like seconds so yeah and that uh, yeah that ball in was just so like yeah the arc on it was correct. incredible yeah, yeah, and so just using the physical advantage, you know, of of outleaping, and again, the the two things I noticed about Espanol, they're, they're short players oh. out there, you know, like Juve is very short, which she was able to scrap in there, and also the keeper is a little bit short because she, you know, on that header goal, um, the way she was falling backwards, I think anyone a little bit taller would have been able to put put that away, push it away, but um, yeah, it was just a really nice finish. Well, the next goal uh, where we went ahead was in the twenty third minute, and Lika Martins fired this shot from just outside the box and the Espanol goalkeeper dove and got her hands to it, but she just put punched it away and Mariona was there to to poach the goal on the rebound. So that was good positioning and good uh, good head on her shoulders to stay cool and, and get it in the, into the net. Yeah, I mean, Martins in this match, you know, she definitely looked dominant. You know, she was able to have some really clear shots. Um, she was able to, you know, have some really good movement passing and especially on this goal she had a really nice clean shot the keeper made a good save but again when they you know when you were taught as a keeper you're you're really taught to really push it out of harm's way and she could have done that but the keeper did a bad job on that 
and fortunately for for us, we were able to uh, get the rebound and put it through. So really nice uh, hustle play. Very good. Yes, very good hustle. So yeah. we were up two to one for the majority of the game. Uh, we had a couple of shots hit the woodwork in the second half from Martins and Barbara, who came on in the 63rd minute. But Barbara finally found the net in the 95th minute with a sort of accidental assist from Natasha Andonova. She was on the ball in the box, and um, there was an attempted clearance by one of the Espanol defenders, but she actually just kicked it right back into Andonova and bounced off of her and into this pocket of space. And Barbara was there to send that one into goal. And, you know, I want to actually, for a brief second, go back to the first goal where Mape Leon uh, lost the ball to Elena Hulve. And this is something that I've noticed about Mape in the Champions League against Leon. And I, I think that defensively, I think she's a bit of a weakness for us. Uh, like, again, yeah. in those Champions League ties against Leon, she looked a little nervous and uh, they were just running all over her. And then a, a play like this, I, I think that if, if the women's team wants to maybe make some reinforcements in the defensive area, uh, I think uh, Leon might be the first one to replace. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And I think, um, especially in the Leon match, she just looked a little overmatched, you know, um, she's, she's good enough for the league, but if, we, if they really want to take the next level, and they could really solidify defense with a really nice defender. And that would make a huge difference because if they can uh, strengthen their defense and, and keep focusing with Martins and Tony Dugan, they'll be able to, to move up and hopefully win the league next year. So, yeah. Now, so in this match though, we did get a good result from the Barcelona Derby, keeping the heat on Atletico trailing by just one point. And, you know, we, every week I keep hoping that some team can just slow down Atletico, get a draw, or, or, or try to beat them. And yeah. uh, this weekend it was Rayo Vallecano, but my hopes were dashed again. Yeah. Atletico beat the pants off of Rayo 4-1. to one. So we're still on the running, but all they can do, you know, all we can do or the, all the women can do is keep pushing, take it one, one game at a time, and just hope that Atletico slips up. But uh, I think this is really going to go to the last match day. And uh, on the upside, Femini finished fourth last year, while Atletico are currently the the Women's League champions. So for me, even if we finish second this year, that's an improvement. And we've only started following them closely this past year, so I don't really know the history, but it, it gives me the sense that the women's team is building, right? So we're we're trying, and we're getting we got further in the Champions League. We're looking to at least finish second this year in the domestic league. So it's overall an improvement. Yeah, definitely. And as we talked a little bit on our last Patreon video about, you know, the ment- the mental aspect of this year, right? Um, having the league being so close and making every game count is going to help us in the future for next season, being able to have this type of memory of all these games that the, that they had to win to keep the pressure on Atletico. It's just going to, help them next year to be even a stronger team and hopefully um, win the league, if not this year, next year. So, yeah. And it's, for me, it's also important to remember that this is our other professional soccer team, right? We talk a lot about Barca B, which is treated like a kind of a semi-professional squad, but uh, it's, it's in that kind of minor league zone where it's semi-professional, which means it's also kind of like training, but the women's team, that's, that's the first team that's pro. And so, you know, we could be looking at 
potentially, you know, for for the women's game, high priced uh, free agent style signings over the summer. Uh, but we could also look to our lower division women's teams to see where reinforcements might be available there. Yeah. And, and the other thing, too, is, you know, more importantly, just growing the game, you know, um, getting more women involved in football, because, for example, here in Spain, it's still, you know, women's sports isn't as big as it is in the States, you know, with universities and and high school, how it's organized that way. So, you know, hopefully they'll be able to recruit more talent, maybe get a couple uh, high priced uh, free agents in the summer and just keep uh, mounting forward and building the program to become top notch, just like the men's team. Yeah. And, you know, it's it, I find that it, uh, it it there's a leap every four years. Right. It always coincides with with a World Cup. It's not unlike American interest in in soccer, which tends to it, it spikes every four years with the men's World Cup, and then there's another smaller spike with the women's World Cup. But as far as the women's game globally, it there is generally a, a a step up. It starts stepping up and trending up every four years when there's a World Cup, because there's plenty of interest around it. And uh, so I'm curious to see how the women's game develops after the next women's World Cup. Yeah, definitely. And selfishly, you know, we're both American. I would love to see them sign an American. That would be awesome. Um, just for rooting interest and also just to help promote the game. I mean, obviously, the the American women have always been top-notch uh, football players. So um, I think it would be a great idea not only to market, you know, marketing aspect, but for us, too, we can definitely have something to root for even more if they sign an American on the FCB company. Yeah. And we, yeah, we have a lot of good women footballers because of this exact situation that you've detailed where we have a strong college university, uh, women's sports program where we can, we can generate these and build these great women footballers. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we could definitely get a tall center back, you know yeah, what I'm we could. That would be awesome because that's what we lack, especially in the Champions League, when it's you know the highest talent level, right? If we were more physical and we're able to win more balls in the air with no problem, then that just eases our defense. You know, when I used to play and and we used to have, I remember we used to have a center back that was not that tall, but he was really good, you know, defensively. Uh, but when we played taller teams and they would just throw it in there, it's just you're just on you know on skates essentially because you just physically when they can out jump you and are taller than you you just have to really figure it out and it's just it's trying after 90 minutes you know so if you can get a center back that is physical tall and can win all those those headers that just helps everyone else um so i'm 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 really looking forward to what kind of changes they can make this this offseason yeah absolutely and you know we have two more games to go we're still just that one point behind Atletico, so we're we're not we're not out of it, but it's it's going to be tight. And like I said, it's going to go I think pretty much to the last match day, so we'll keep an eye on that and let you know how how that progresses and how the year ends up for them. But now let's get into this Deportivo match because we are champions, my friend. This is true. <laughs> this is I'm, uh, this is this is a fact, Brian. Um, <laughs> talked earlier today that we had a feeling this was going to happen and sure enough with the atletico madrid outcome so far we just need to get that one point and we got that one point yeah we got that we got one three. point 
And just to let the listeners in on this, so to you, this seems like seamless, a seamless transition. But in fact, so much has happened between everything in the episode up to this point and now because we had to stop recording. And then I went and sang in a concert and I was able to watch the first half. And then I had to go off and uh, and sing. But you watched the entire match and it was beautiful. It was so great. And before we launch into it, uh, I have a piece of trivia about this this matchup, uh, Deportivo Barcelona in the Riazor, this matchup. The first time these two clubs played in La Coruña was in March 1942. Deportivo was in ninth in the league, and Barcelona was 13th, and Barca lost that game one nothing. Wow. Yeah. I like knowing that because it puts into perspective <laughs> just how far Barcelona has come from, from those those days. Those days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Deportivo had that super team as well in the 90s, I believe. And so they, you know, they're, they have some definite history, but obviously this season has not been good. Um, they're going to get relegated. They had to hire Seedorf, who I think has done a pretty decent job in the last couple games, but it's just too late. You know, it's just trying to save the ship and he's just unable to. So the interesting dynamic of this match was obviously we won the champion, you know, the La Liga, but also at the same time, Deportivo's officially got relegated in this match so it's kind of a weird kind of thing that was happening in the stadium at the end of the match yeah and of course uh after iniesta's announcement on friday even in the riazor he has i mean wherever he goes in spain he has fans so there were still a ton of people even even deportivo supporters who were coming in with iniesta jerseys yeah i mean you know the thing is he won the world cup and exactly you know you know, he's he's the Don, right? So not only he's he's one of those rare players that wherever he goes, he gets the ovation. But the ovation in this match was even more special, I think, just especially with the announcement becoming official. But also just everyone just respects him. He's just a nice guy. He doesn't really say anything controversial ever. Um, he's never in the limelight in that way. So I think everyone just overall just really loves him and adores him here. Yeah, he's just such a lovable guy. And uh, so anyway, we we were talking on last Thursday's Patreon video about whether Val Green would go into this game with a strong 11 and just go for the championship as soon as possible with the side benefit, in my mind, of being able to give some key players a little extra rest ahead of the World Cup. Or would he field a more mixed lineup and maybe pace things out some more? Well, he went with option A not pulling any punches, putting the best 11 he could on the pitch. Of course, he didn't have Sergio Roberto with the red card suspension. But otherwise, I think he went all out with this lineup. And of course, there was a notable omission of Iniesta in the starting 11, uh, instead opting for Coutinho. Yeah, when I was reading some of the stuff on social media, um, it seemed that Iniesta had some some muscle pains of some sort. So they wanted to keep him out and not risk him. But I definitely thought Iniesta was going to start, especially since kind of it's the farewell tour. But like you said, this is a strong, our strongest 11. And this is, you know, pretty much going to be the starting 11 next season on paper. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, barring any other high profile transfers or anything like that. But in general, yeah, it looks like this is probably pretty much the 11 that we're going to be seeing a lot of next season. But so the first goal came in right there in the seventh minute from Coutinho. And that play, I thought, well, his finish was, I thought, incredible. And the way the play developed, Messi putting it out wide for Dembele, who almost had a shot, which got thwarted. But he managed to stay on the ball, put it in for Coutinho, 
and then Coutinho's finish, it just floated in. It had such style and grace. The placement was spot on. It was a thing of beauty. Yeah, it was. It was, you know, it was almost like a uh, changeup in baseball where uh, Coutinho did the full swing of the kick, but the way he half kicked it, you know, like you said, it just kind of was a slower pace and it was more directional, but it was a really nice finish. Just an overall play. And from the onset, too, they were after it. They were completely after it in the in the first minutes. We were we had some really good opportunities in the beginning. And obviously in the seventh minute to go up one nothing, um, we were feeling pretty good at early. Yeah. And I mean, Deportivo put up a really good match, you know, of course, scoring two goals of their own. They didn't make it easy. It wasn't a cakewalk. And just because they're going to be relegated doesn't mean they can't, you know, show up for big games like this. And, of course, we've mentioned things like this before all season long. You know, these lower table teams, they, uh, they're not doing well overall. But for a game against us, Barcelona or, uh, or Real Madrid or something like that, they get up for that. And, you know, they didn't want to just hand it to us, obviously. But we got another goal in the 38th minute from Messi in this great play where Dembele was charging downfield on the counter. And I don't know what it looks like to be on the pitch when he's coming at you with the ball, but it must look pretty threatening because he drew four defenders towards him, opened up all kinds of space on both sides. So he sent it out for Suarez. And then Suarez sends this incredible ball scooped up and over the box. And then Messi scores on the volley. And I mean, I think I'd put that finish in a, in some top 10 list. I mean, for me, it was all about that pass from Suarez. You know, Suarez, you know, he tries to play make and sometimes his dribbling fails him to make these plays, but he'll come up with a pass like this or a play like this and you forget that he's a very, very special player. And this pass for me, with using the outside of his foot, it's a very difficult pass to do with the accuracy, the speed on it to find Messi perfectly streaking on. And of course, Messi just could On TV, the commentator couldn't tell if it was on the a goal or not yeah and until it trickled through he was like okay goal and then he went off on his goal call you know <laughs> but but the finish by Messi of course was brilliant I mean you know I tweeted this it's amazing how different we look attacking when we have spacing when you have Dembele or Coutinho on the right and we have Suarez and you have Messi in the middle to play make when those players are occupying those spaces it creates so much havoc for the defense to cover Messi because Messi can go left right and he's finding the plays and then all of a sudden Suarez is overlapping it creates all these passing lanes and that's why for me like having this kind of lineup you know I I know on some stats it said 4-4-2 but you know could have been a 4-3-3 kind of a thing but it just shows how important we need that spacing in the left and the right to allow Messi to really create because again with this goal you could just see the mashup you know Dembele on the right with Suarez on the right giving it to Messi on the left I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. And with all it's that just, spacing, yeah. you, you start to spread the defense open and then you get those spaces or they get really compact. And then that leaves space out on the wide on the flanks. Correct. And that's the thing. Right. And so when we're a really compact four four two, it's easier to defend Barcelona that way. Right. And obviously with Messi being the playmaker, he's not a true striker. But like today's lineup, that's why I was really happy to see Dembele. And obviously, for me, Dembele being 21 years old, I, I just see the future. I mean, he had some plays today where he tried to do too much. But I think overall with his speed, and you can see he's going to grow into his body even more. He's going to get stronger. And he's just going to get more comfortable playing with more. He just needs – sometimes he just needs to do more tiki-taka passing as opposed to trying to take 1v3. Yeah. You know? So. Yeah, but that's another thing that you can you can chalk up to youth – 
He's young. Correct. He wants to do well. He has these skills. He's trying to, you know, plant his flag or, or whatever. And, and and in time, okay. he'll get a little bit more into the system, and he'll make he'll make those tiki taka plays uh, more often, or, or at least he, he better, or else he's out. Well, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But he he'll. I mean, like in this match today, he used his speed very well. He made some really good passing. He was dangerous. Um, the link up play with Coutinho, Messi, Suarez, and Dembele today was especially in the first half, was was really good. Um, but unfortunately, they gave up the goal in the 40th minute. Yeah, and, you know, that was a goal that Lucas Perez scored for Deportivo. And really, it was a great play. Uh, they they get There was this really cutting ball in, and it was a good first-time finish by Perez. And how do you – do you think that it was a, just an utter failure on our part? Do you, or do you think that they just happened to uh, – you think they outplayed us on that? From this on, from this goal on, Deportivo pretty much outplayed us for the most of the part. They were putting more pressure on us. I also just think that we were up to nothing, you know, and so you just kind of naturally go into a cruise control. We have nothing to lose really in this match. I mean, true, we have, you know, we have more matches to make up for the, you know, for La Liga championship. And if we tie, if we lost this game, it's not the end of the world. And so I think when we were up to nothing, we were controlling the match. In the first 35 minutes, they were able to really put their thumbprint on it. And then when they went up to nothing, they kind of just eased up. And then all of a sudden, Semedo and Alba got sloppy yeah. and allowed these kind of plays to happen. When Semedo and Alba started getting sloppy defending, especially with the with the elements, it was raining really hard. It was cold. You put PK and TT to cover too much space, and that's what they exploited uh, from this point on until about the 65th minute or so. Okay. Now that pretty much uh, – some that's what I was able to see myself. So what happened in the second half? You know, essentially what happened is, you know, we were just kind of in cruise control. We were up two to one going into halftime. And Deport just played really well. You know, they put it together. They started putting passes together. We couldn't – get out of our half we were doing a lot of clearing of balls we were not you know building up the play from the back as we usually do and it's funny because my dad called me during this match and um he was asking me questions he's like i have a bunch of questions and i'm like oh gosh and he's like (laughs) and i thought he was asking about other things you know like family or whatever and he's like um what's going on with the barca defense right now i was like where's coming from you know so to answer my dad and other people i just think throughout the whole season that our defense has been the backbone of why we were successful. We were able to limit the goals and, and chances, but again, this goes back to our style. You know, we're not possessing the ball 80% anymore and it's more of a back and forth. And when that happens, you have momentums in the match and Deportivo at this moment, you know, from about 45 minutes to 65, 70 had the momentum of the match. They were pressing Busquets couldn't string a pass and then they came up with this really nice goal um, in the 64th minute. And they just basically tic-tac-toed around our defense, sloppy defending by Semedo. Semedo did not look behind him. And it just frustrates me because it's like one of those things that is basic defending 101. Like, especially on a counter, you kind of have to look around to see where your other people are, where your space is. And other people tweeted about it too. It's, you know, Semedo's spacing when he should have been put out wider, he came in and the guy came up behind him and scored a nice goal. So from that point on, it was two to two. And everyone on social media, Brian, were freaking the F out. <laughs> just losing it. You know what's I mean, funny? I, I was it. talking I mean, to a guy uh, just last week or the week before 
um, a British guy. So, you know, he immediately has football knowledge uh, that he was born with, I guess. Um, Very very nice guy, by the way. And he was saying that, in his opinion, Semedo is – actually, it didn't sound like his opinion because he said Semedo is objectively – not a good enough player to be on Barcelona, which I was a little surprised by. I mean, uh, we haven't seen him a whole lot this year, honestly. And what we have seen, we've seen his speed, his strength, uh, his kind of determination. Of course, we've also seen a number of mistakes, not unlike the one that you were just talking about. And I, I mean, I don't know. I I think that he is maybe he's not ready to be the man in right back. Right, he's not ready to be the starter, but do you still see the potential in him for him to grow into that position over the next year or so? I do. The one thing with defenders, right, is that when you defend, you're usually not good at attacking. And when you're really good at attacking, you're not really good at defending. That's kind of the hybrid. For example, I would say Danny Alves was an elite attacking fullback. But his defense, you know, it was okay. But it, I wouldn't hang my hat on his defense all the, all the time, you know? Right. Where there's other defenders who are really good at defending, but they're, they don't attack the flanks, you know? So it's kind of, we have to take, we prefer having attacking fullbacks that can go up and down and dive bomb, like Alba and obviously your boy Sergi. Yeah. So you have to give and take with that, right? So you have to be coached better. And I think I still see the potential because for me, the speed is something that is so nice to have as a fullback because he can attack those wings uh, on defense. And I think he just needs to just learn a little bit more, get coached, and just work on his defending and a little bit of his passing because I think his passing needs to be improved as well because he does he holds the ball too much as well, just like Dembele. So on the right side, they lose the ball often. Yeah, But, you know, I, I still think – I still see the potential. And for me – I think, if anything, he's going to be a good, um, you know, alternate fullback for Sergio Roberto. Yeah, of course. Ideally, we want Sergio Roberto to be relieved of his right back duties and be able to move into the midfield. So, you know, for for us, I think we were looking at Semedo all year as as the uh, as Sergio Roberto's savior, the guy who could finally come in and and let him move into the into the midfield. But you know, who knows? Maybe that's not the case. And also, I think Sergi is perfectly happy to play right back. Yeah, because he knows he'll get time. Yeah, and he's a good right back. You know, he has big game experience. He's been in those moments, and so uh, Val Green has confidence in him for the big matches, and so that he'll probably most likely go with Sergio Roberto still. But um, you know, I st- I mean. To counter your British friend's uh, opinion, um, I still think Semedo still has potential, and especially he's going to have another full season. So we'll see what how he develops in the off season in in um, in the summertime. Yeah, that that's what I was thinking also. So we agree. Anyway, now so I checked the uh, the stats, of course, after the the game to see you know what the outcome was, and I was one, of course, happy to see that we that we won. So we won the game won the league, champions already, and Messi got a hat trick. So, of course, he got the first one in the first half, and then he got two more in the second half. Walk me through those. Yeah, so before that happened, you know, when Deport um, equalized the match, there was a lot of, you know, frustration online about our midfield because we were lacking that kind of possession to build the play. So uh, Val Green put in Paulinho and Denis Suarez for Coutinho and Dembele. 
And so that kind of changed the tide a little bit. We were able to kind of get um, midfield possession back again, even though it was still going back and forth. Um, in the 73rd minute, Messi stole the ball. He had a chance to score. A guy came in to slide tackle, deflected it. So we were starting to mount our chances. And in the 82nd minute, it was such a nice goal, Brian. Super nice. Uh, basically, you know, Dennis Suarez, I have to give him a lot of credit on this play. He took, you know, the bull by the horns, essentially, and took the ball from the midfield and drove it down the middle. It was a counter, and he did not have numbers. He was him and Messi against three guys. But he knew that, you know, with Messi, basically, he can do a lot. So he drove it down to the middle, passed it to Messi, and that started an exchange give and go with Suarez and Suarez made a really nice pass to find Messi at the far post. And of course, Messi's amazing first touch was able to control and slot it past the keeper. So it was just a really nice play uh, that put us up three to two. Yeah. So the credit for me goes to Dennis Suarez to start to, and actually take advantage of that situation. Cause before he had another chance, he stopped, he didn't go for it and he pulled it back and tried to maintain possession. But in this moment, he, took advantage of the situation and made a good, good decision to go forward with it and find Messi and then Messi Suarez combo. Obviously they were able to link up. So you should definitely check out the highlight on that goal. Well, I certainly will. But I, I also wonder if after that first moment, when, when Suarez pulled it back and maintained the possession, I wonder if after that, at some point, maybe Messi said, look, if I'm, if I'm there, give it to me. Yeah. yeah. Give it to me. And yeah, most likely he did. And you know, the thing, so now Suarez had two assists and he, Again, the combination between the two, the link-up play is just spectacular. And especially, you know, just like I said, in the 90 minutes, you're always going to have momentum swings. And Depor had the majority, you know, from this, you know, until now, about the 65th minute or so. And then we were able to start swinging it in our favor, especially with the subs. And Paulinho, again, this is the type of match which he thrives in because of the conditions. He started to impose his physicality. I mean, he didn't do much. But he he didn't allow Deport to push our midfield as they were doing it in those moments. So. Right. And then we have the really nice goal uh, again by Messi. <laughs> even I mean, better. Even better. This was this was definitely my favorite, just because you know Messi's just a baller. You know, <laughs> like he he just for sure. <laughs> I mean, in this play though, but in this play, the fact that he didn't dive, he was able to reap the rewards to get the goal. Because essentially what happened was, you know, there was traffic. Suarez went down at the top of the box on a give and go. And Messi was the only one that kept playing. And the ref (laughs) played the advantage. So when Suarez fell, he was fouled. I mean, he was fouled. So all the Deport back line essentially stopped for that split second. Mm. And Messi just saw the ball and one-on-one opportunity and slotted past the goalkeeper. And it was just it's crazy how he just, you know, he's always one step ahead. And in that moment he was at one step ahead and he was able to complete his hat trick. So just an incredible, uh, you know, he's back into the race of Europe's leading scorer. I think he's only like one or two goals now behind Salah. And it's just, you know, a, a hat trick to clinch La Liga. I mean, what else do you want? Yeah. Like, guy? does it get any better? <laughs> yeah. You know, the other thing I have in the notes here is just obviously when Iniesta came in, he came in with, I think, about five minutes left in the match, and it was a really great ovation from the Deportivo crowd. And, you know, of course, just just legend. He's he's just such a legend. Yeah. And he was so gracious. So yeah. it was really great to see the ovation. Yeah, beautiful thing. You know, and now that we've won the league, we have the Classico next week. And I think for our Thursday Patreon video, 
uh, we should between now and then we should we should ask some listeners for some possible lineups for the Classico. I think um, I think Elena, Sillison, Gomes, uh, Dina. I mean, wouldn't that be great? I mean, I I wouldn't be bring the entire to it just, B team up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to it just to give them the experience of the Classico. We have nothing to lose, right? You know, I mean, obviously it's bragging rights, but at the same time. I wouldn't be opposed, especially since Real Madrid is not going to give us the Pasillo. So F them, you know, like we can just really just use his match and we just tell Andres Gomes and Paulinho to, to hack the crap out of them so that they, you know, <laughs> yeah. so when they have their Champions League match, they're a little bit sore, you know, this type of thing, you know. But I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's going to roll out the same 11 that we had today except for Semedo. Uh, changing with Sergio Roberto. That's what I think he's going to do. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, we were talking about the the possibility of starting to maybe give some key players a little bit of rest, a little bit of extra rest ahead of the World Cup, if that's something that Val Green is worrying about or thinking about as something nice to do for the players. I mean, it's kind of tricky with Messi, for example, right? Because, sure, he could use the rest, but you have to convince him that he needs the rest. If you give him the chance... He will play. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think he's going to rest them. Maybe Messi doesn't play a match, or maybe he just takes him out at the 80th minute, something like this. But you're right. You do have to convince him not to play. And I'm sure there's definitely a, maybe some sort of agreement, um, especially since Messi is so focused to do well in this World Cup for Argentina. So maybe, you know, especially since La Liga, there's no other competitions, you know, there's nothing else to, to fight for. He's just out there just to see the fans and play. And obviously he loves playing. So we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm definitely curious to see what lineup Val Green rolls out for the Classico. Yeah. Well, we're going to catch up on uh, some a little bit more La Liga stuff, maybe a little uh, Classico preview on the Thursday video. And uh, we'll also... Uh, keep you up to speed with Barca B so if you want to uh, check that out be sure to become a Barca Talk supporter on Patreon go to barcatalk.net slash support to do that for $3 a month until next week though campeones yes campeones <laughs> ole 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 alright goodbye my friend ciao Barza Talk is written by Gabriel Quiroga and myself, Brian Henderson. The show is edited by Brian Henderson, and the music is also by Brian Henderson. Gabriel Quiroga is our promotion and social media manager, which means this is a two-man show. Go ahead and be a part of it. Give us your comments, questions, topics you'd like us to discuss. Visit barzatalk.net and find the contact page or one of our social media channels. And if you want to support the show, click on the support tab at barzatalk.net to do that. Remember to subscribe, rate, review, and spread the word about Barca Talk. Until next week, I'm Brian Henderson. I'm Gabriel Quiroga. And this is Barca Talk. Thanks for listening. Visca Barca. Visca Barca. Sports Social Podcast Network.